Welcome to the show, Brain Health, Unchaining Your Pain. I am really excited to be able to talk to the phenomenal and just so authentically raw, Michael Unbroken is on the show today. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, my friend. Very excited to be here with you today. And I, do you know, I was really gutted that I couldn't see you in person because I know that you went to the 10X conference recently as I saw your posting on Instagram when I was doing the virtual piece because I'm here in the UK. So hopefully at some point in our lives, we'll get to meet in person because it's always so much more fun to meet in person than it is over the internet. But it's just great to have you on the show. Just for those that don't know Michael, he is an entrepreneur, coach, podcast host, award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. He's author of the amazing and raw book, uh, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. And he's also just about to release his new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Your Own Story on the 14th of June, 2022. So I'm really excited to read that one because I just totally and utterly loved your book that you wrote, Think Unbroken. It was such a personal and raw story of your experiences and that and that piece of looking in the mirror and just assessing who you are and understanding how you can move forward was just it's just such an important aspect of helping us realize that we can really unchain our pain yeah and and it's true i mean like ultimately you know, in that that first book, you know, it's not even really about me. I mean, there's parables of my life in there for context, but ultimately it's a guide, you know, and I mm. think that it's the thing that I needed, you know, 11, 12 years ago. I probably need it when I was like 12, but, you know, it's one of those things where I just said, you know, I'm going to do this and hopefully it'll benefit people. And it's incredible. I mean, we've sold, I pushed it to number one and, you know, as we had, I was the denied by every single agent and publisher that I reached out to hundreds of people because they're like, yeah. we don't want to talk about this topic. And I'm like, well, so what does that have to do with anything? Let's push it out anyway. And, you know, I end up putting it out myself and self-publishing and starting a publishing company. And I said, we're going to do it. And we did it. And it's been incredible to watch, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of that book get sold. Um, but the, the really funny part about it, there's like 50 reviews on it online. And you know, what that tells me is we still as a society are so disconnected from the willingness to have this conversation. And, you know, I've even contemplated like changing the cover to just black and having nothing on it so that people feel safer reading it. Because I mean, who the hell wants to walk around on the subway with, you know, think unbroken, understanding and overcoming childhood trauma in their hand. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's the world we live in. So, you know, the deeper we get into this, the more I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, how do we make this really broach the, the subject matter for conversation across the world at all times? And, you know, I think it's just having conversations like this that'll get us there. Yeah, and you know, I totally agree. And that was some of the best books I've read to help me on my journey to healing have been <clears throat> ones that you maybe did, didn't want to publicly uh show the front cover of on the on the train but 
it's such an important topic because so many people have adverse childhood experiences whether that's you know whether we put it in the childhood trauma space or whether that whether it's not classified as as trauma you know from a, a post-traumatic stress disorder perspective but ultimately as kids we we can experience trauma at a whole host of different levels some um you know you, you've experienced a chronic and deep trauma from all of your experience as a child but some of the experiences people have still very traumatic for them but they often don't appreciate how traumatic it is because we like compare ourselves to other people and say oh well that person had it so much worse than me so so I, ca I can't be traumatized but trauma's trauma if it's affecting your day-to-day -day, how you show up um and you and you're being triggered by certain things in your life and from your childhood experiences that's not allowing you to thrive but you're you go into a survival mode then it's time to really start with the process of thinking unbroken and learn the the techniques and the uh and the information that you provide in your book to to get to the root cause of your struggles and really learn how to unchain your pain and that's really why i started this show is to to have these difficult conversations that other people can't have because it's too hard you know we have to bury our head in a book to to understand the pain that we're experiencing um, but it's really important that we have those open conversations and allow your voice to be the voice for someone else to to say okay that it uh, it's okay for me to be struggling it's okay for me to be in this dark place but I know someone's been there and I know they've come out of the other side and I know there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I just need to find the right guide that can guide me through that tunnel show me the way and help help me out if I can't if I can't find the way myself yeah and you're not going to find the way yourself I hate to break it to you, but you know, you're not because you only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. And, and so much of this experience in, in my opinion has been the growth has come through being in connection with other people. And yeah. the more I tried to do it myself, the more disastrous my life felt. And, you know, I think even now, man, it's crazy to me because I have put myself in this position to be surrounded by some of the greatest leaders on literally on planet earth who coach me, who teach me, who guide me. And, you know, there wasn't that long a time ago where I would make fun of these people. I'd be like, this is bullshit. Like personal development. What is this mindset? You know, all that stuff. And, <laughs> and I got deeper into understanding the education of trauma, you know, having, you know, over 30 trauma informed certifications, working with people like Gabor Mate and Pete Walker and Bessel van der Kolk and Tony Robbins and Tom Bilyeu. And it's like all these people in it. And I sit here and I go, yeah, but, and there's still more. And there's so much to learn and there's so much. I mean, even myself, I have these days where suddenly I catch myself and I'm like, oh, wait a second. Hold on. Something's weird here. I don't feel present. Mm. I don't feel in my body. What's going on? Where Where's the disconnect? What happens? Did I sleep weird? Was it that nightmare? Was, did I have too much cough? Like, you know, there's so much to it. 
And I think that so many people have this notion, which I did as well, that you got to go through this process alone, that nobody gets it. Nobody understands. I'm by myself. Like that's nonsense. There's mm. freaking 8 billion people on planet earth. You, you're going to tell me you're the only one with that problem. Are you serious? <laughs> right? Now? Are you kidding me? Like, and you've got to be willing to, to acknowledge that truth. And in that acknowledgement, what will happen is if you're paying attention to yourself, you'll find that you'll give yourself permission to go and seek that guidance, seek that help, yeah. seek that companionship, seek that change. Because if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I'm going to read some books or listen to a podcast and my life's going to be different. I think that's foolhardy because it doesn't work. Uh, you know, yeah. because I've read all the books, I listened to all the podcasts, I went to all the seminars, I did all the things. And it wasn't in, in, in like, I look at the parallels, like, yes, of course, that stuff matters. But yeah. who are you going to talk to? Where are you going to get the guidance that you need to go to what's next? Right. And, you know, I, I look at therapy, I love therapy, I think it's incredibly important. It's such a, a pedestal for this journey. But in my, and this is my opinion from my experience, the thing that therapy helped me do the most was to make meaning of past experiences, to create causation and correlation, to be able to put them on a shelf with understanding of when that thing happens, this is how I react. And that's why, mm -hmm. great, I have an understanding. But then I never felt like I was being propelled forward. And then when I got yeah. a coach, and I started getting deep into personal development, it was like, oh, okay, wait a second. I see. So there's really a distinction between these two things because on this other side where I asked for help in a different way, it was like, how do I propel my life? How do I go forward? How do I build goals and values and systems and processes and tools? And, you know, I'll tell you this just straight up. If I could go back in time 10 years ago to the beginning of this journey, when I got serious, I would have hired a coach before I hired a therapist. And mm. the reason why is because it would have helped expedite the pace in which I was changing behavioral patterns, actions, mindset, activities, and things of that nature. Because I felt at one point, a couple years into therapy, I was like, man, I'm just spinning in circles here. This is nonsense. Yeah. I literally was sitting with my therapist one day and I go, dude, I don't want to be in this fucking room with you anymore. This is pointless. Why am I here? Every yeah. Wednesday for four years, I've came and sat in this dumb office, in this dumb chair, drinking this dumb tea that I don't even like, having conversations <laughs> that I don't want to talk about. And I, yeah. and I felt super, super stuck in therapy. And when I got a coach, it was like, oh, that was the missing piece of the puzzle. But look, yeah. all of that is about the willingness to ask for help. It's yeah. about putting yourself into the massive discomfort, showing up to support groups, getting into the, the community. And, and honestly, sometimes even being of service to other people, even though your life feels like a disaster, I promise you go serve. Your life will get better real fast. Yeah. And it was like about therapy and group therapy and men's group therapy and all of those things. And ultimately, like that's the one thing I, I wish people would have more willingness to do is yeah. to recognize that not everyone is out to get them because it's just not true. Yeah, yeah. That's such a great point. And also the point about therapy, the difference between therapy and coaching, because for me, myself, I when I had a traumatic turn in my life, I had a miscarriage and got put on an unexpected performance review um, when I was in the corporate world, one of the first things I reached out to was a coach, but the coach was there. I asked the coach to help me 
learn how to perform better in the business context, but actually ended up putting the healing of the trauma and the grief on hold because I didn't have, I, I couldn't talk about it because it was like you say, some it's too painful to talk about it. You often feel ashamed that it's happened to you. Um, the, the emotional anguish that you have with just even opening your mouth and saying, I, you know, for me, I had a miscarriage or it, it was too hard. And like you say, you put yourself in the bucket. Well, no, you know, nobody's uh, in my boat. Nobody's been in my boat. And actually, hundreds upon thousands of people have been in similar boats and they've been through similar storms and they've learned how to navigate it. And like you say, to, to navigate, to get through it, you need help. So the first thing is making sure you ask for help and the right help. Before we dive into your story, I'd I'd love to know what for you is optimal brain health in the context of your life experience. I, I love that question. Um, to me, it's control. And, and what that means is, you know, you have the ability to bend the world to you, to live life on your terms, to ultimately be the hero of your own story. But this stupid thing in your head called your brain that is only really built around one purpose in survival will do everything in its power to make you feel safe and comfortable. And the more that it does that, the less that you are truly living into your power. And so when I say the word control, I literally mean it. You turning this thing off that says no, don't, can't, stop, shouldn't, and go, fuck that, I'm doing it anyway. And <laughs> the willingness to step through the, the discomfort, the massive discomfort of the unknown to discover who you are. And that only happens when you challenge yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically, because this brain is going to tell you, I don't know, that's pretty scary. Better not do it. You better just watch Netflix today. And when you recognize the truth about that, it forces you into a perspective of acknowledging that if you take control over your thoughts, you can do anything. Mm, mm. And, you know, I think that's so important. Not many people talk about it in the context of control but I really relate to that because one of the things that I think is really important is we have to take charge of our well-being we can become victims of our circumstances or victims of our ill health and and just accept the status quo of what people have told us either who we are or what label they've assigned to us from a brain health perspective or from a physical health, you know, whole body health perspective, and then just kind of give up on ourselves and say, well, you know, that's the label. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use the label as an excuse, almost, to to adopt bad behaviours. And it isn't until you say, okay, it's got out of control, <laughs> you say, I now need to rein it back in and take back control or take charge that you can really instigate the shift in your life and you can really leverage the power that you possess inside of you and not use it against you but use it for you to pro propel yourself forward so i'd love to know in the context of the control when when did you first realize 
that everything was completely out of control in your life? When I was probably eight years old. Okay. So very young because I just, I watched the environment that I was in and I was just like, this does not make any sense. Mm. And, and it was just the exposure to real life at such a young age, like the truth of the, the chaos is, I mean, I would just remember being a little kid and being like, the only thing I want is to be a grown up because I knew as soon as I was a grown up, I'd be in control. Like, and, yeah. and that's the thing I believe that a lot of children in traumatic experience experience. And, and that's when I noticed, I was like, wait a second, this is nuts. Mm. And that's a really young age to realize that because obviously your brain's still developing. And the fact that you, there is, you have no control as a child by virtue of your circumstances to a certain degree, because, because the adults are the ones that, are supposed to manage you and nurture you but for for your situation they they didn't unfortunately um it's really hard isn't it psychologically because you want it but you can't have it and you have to wait for it to to come to pass and i know you know you were able to get it you were finally able to get control when you put a restraining order in place um later on yeah i mean to an extent you know i think it might be beneficial if i kind of share my backstory here a little yeah bit. that would be great if you could yeah because we're going to go into a lot of places and i, I think context is everything mm -hmm. you know, so I'll, I'll give you kind of the elevator pitch here you know my i grew up in indiana in indianapolis in, in america the middle of the country in the 80s my mom was a drug addict and alcoholic um in fact she actually cut off my right index finger when I was four years old and, and people go, well, how could your mom do that? And it's like, well, it was a continuation of, of trauma, hurt people, hurt people. She had not done any of the work. And when I was about six, she married my stepfather who was super abusive. Like he'd kick the shit out of my brothers and I put me in the hospital. Like you talk about just living in pure fear. The most terrifying moment of my day was walking in my front door. Like nothing was scarier. And I used to lie in bed at night and, and like cry and pray, like, please send my real dad. And I'm like, oh, he must be out like saving the world. And he's a secret billionaire and he's going to show up one day. And I learned at a very young age, like that ain't happening. Nobody's coming. And, and we spent a lot of my childhood deeply impoverished and homeless. I live with 30 different families, strangers, friends of families, church members, random nights in vans, like whatever, between the ages of eight and 12. And while also growing up in the Mormon church, which is like a whole nother level of chaos. And, and by the time that I'm 12, my grandmother adopted me, which is kind of a heaven sent, but also not because I'm, I'm biracial, I'm black and white. And my grandma's mm -hmm. a racist ass white lady from a town in Tennessee that you've never heard of. Like we literally had a copy of Mein Kampf, Hitler's autobiography in our house. If that gives you any context. Yeah. And so here I am 12 years old and you're in this developmental age. You're in the most awkward years of your life. And I'm, I'm getting high every day by 13. I'm getting drunk. And, and by 15, I got expelled from school. 
And I was just like, I'm selling drugs. I'm breaking into houses. I'm stealing cars. I'm getting shot at. Like it's chaos. It's like the wildest stuff. And you know, I got put into this last chance program and you mentioned putting a restraining order on my mother. And I made that decision because I saw the impact that she was having on my life. And there's a picture of my report card I've put on social media a couple of times. Right after I did that, I had straight A's. I was mm. captain of the wrestling team, dating a cheerleader. Like literally it was like everything that kids want at that age. And my mom was in and out of rehabs a lot during that time, a bunch of suicide attempts. Like it was chaos. And my grandmother ends up letting her move back in. My mom had been sober for a minute and that was like, un I'd never experienced this before. And like, I was trying to make meaning of it. I was like, does this real? Is this not? And shortly after she moved back in, like she was hiding alcohol bottles, pill bottles. She was right back in it. Uh, now, as an adult, I understand, well, that obviously came from living with her mother again, my grandmother. And so I end up not graduating high school on time and I'm in summer school. And the teacher basically says like, dude, we're done with you. We're just going to give you the diploma. Good luck. And I'm, I'm working this warehouse job putting microchips into motherboards for like 12 hours a day mm -hmm. and I get fired because I'm like stoned probably <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sitting in my car and I'm like hold on wait a second what what is the solution for all of this poverty homelessness abuse the chaos and and I was like oh it's got to be money right what else would it be? Because why else would we get evicted? Why would my stepdad beat me all the time? Why would my mom always, you know, whatever? And I was like, oh, it's money. So I said, I want to make $100,000 a year legally by the time that I'm 21. And that legal part was so important because I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs multiple times and my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Wow. Like, I knew where I was going. I knew exactly what was going to happen if I didn't change my life. And so I just started learning skills, started learning how to do things in, in the world. And I ended up right before my 21st birthday, I landed a job with a fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education. It's a international company. Everybody's heard of them. And I started making that money. And then I, I discovered that that was actually not the solution. And as I'm heading into 26 years old, I'm like 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. My life is a complete disaster, depressed, anxious, overweight, like miserable. And, uh, and I put a gun in my mouth. Wow. I was just done. Mm. I was done. I was done. Like, I was like, I don't get this. What is the point of all this bullshit we have to go through? And the next day I'm laying in bed and you know, I'm looking at my life and I'm like sitting here eating chocolate cake, smoking a joint and watching the CrossFit games. And <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? And, and I pulled myself up. I went in the bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I had this like life changing moment because I remembered being like eight years old and the water company had come and turned our water off. Like, yeah, think about it. I grew up in America, in a major city. And this is in the 90s at this point. We got our water turned off, our electricity turned off, our heat wow. turned off. It was always happening. 
in this particular day, you know, it's a blistering hot Indiana August summer day. And I go in the backyard, I get this little blue bucket and I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And for the first time I stole water. And I remember being like, when I'm a grown up, this will not be my life. And financially it wasn't, but it was in mm-hmm. every other way because I was still that hurt, lost little boy. And as I looked in the mirror, having that memory, I asked myself, like, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And, and what that meant in that moment was I was no longer going to negotiate with myself. I was no longer going to bend myself, placate myself, be the victim, because I blamed everybody. I blamed the school, the church, the community, my parents, my friends, my grandma, Obama. Like, I blamed everybody. It didn't matter. <laughs> and I was, like, always being the victim. And I was like, you know what? This is bullshit. Get your life together. You cannot change the past. And what I realized in that moment was I was no longer a child. And it took this place of like radical ownership over what was next. And I'll be honest with you, after that moment, the next three years of my life were tremendously difficult. Like it was one step forward, eight million steps back. It was failure after failure after failure. It was screwing up, making mistakes. But I was like, fuck this, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then it turned into deeper, right? It was getting really embedded into therapy, group therapy, men's group therapy, Mm. trauma therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, ABCs, like all the acronyms, (laughs) support groups. It was the books. It was, it weren't really called podcasts back then, but it was podcasting. It was all of the things that it took to learn. And, And today, like I think about the trajectory of my life and I'm very fortunate because I've been able to help thousands and thousands of people around the world. But, you know, at the base of it, like I'm doing this for me first because yeah. like if I'm not learning every day, like I know what's going to happen in my life the moment I stop going forward. I already been there. And so it's yeah. just this consummate challenge of continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to show up, continue to invest in yourself, continue to always figure out how to challenge the fear of the narrative that you have of being yourself. And, and the thing people don't really fully understand about trauma and abuse is like, and this is my opinion. So I'll speak for myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not the scars, right? It's like not the finger that got cut off. It's not the burns. It's not the cuts. It's, it's the theft of identity that trauma leaves a resonation on. And like in that, this whole journey has been about how do I get okay with the reflection in the mirror? Yeah, that mirror moment that you had and and, and being okay with the, the where you got to. And I had a mirror moment too for me is, you know, looking in the mirror, having had suicidal thoughts myself after this performance review that I just mentioned and the miscarriage and then eating myself to feel good. So, you know, the chocolate cake in the afternoon, the double lattes, the alcohol in the evening to just get through it, get through the pain, deep sleep, struggling to get up in the morning, not enjoying the light in the morning, crying all the time. And then you have this mirror moment, you look at yourself and you, you know, I I lost 27 pounds, but, you know, you look at yourself and I'm not like, I'm not happy. 
with the with the person that I am and I have to own it and do something about it. And I love the fact that you said that, you know, a lot it's hard work fixing yourself and doing that deep work. It isn't something that just happens overnight. You don't just lose weight. You don't just discover the identity that's perhaps been lost on your journey. You have to do the deep work. And like you say, podcasting is 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 like the lever to help you go and ask for help. But it's getting that help, getting the support, getting the therapy, getting the right coaching, the right person that's going to help you is what's really important. And as you go on your journey, just the same as you go on any journey in life, is you, you know, you may have to change the person that is coaching you like you did from a therapist perspective, because you're like, well, I'm done with looking in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I want to look forward. I, you know, don't spend all of your time looking in the rearview mirror if you want to move forward in life. It's really yeah. important that you get the right person, you know, the right driving instructor to tell you how you can drive your car forward. Yeah, there, and there's something to that also because you, I mean, like, really think about this. If you've been in therapy for seven years, like, is that shit even working? Right, like, <laughs> like, like, really, and people are like, all right, cool. 46% of Americans are on SSRI. You've yeah. been on it for 15 years. It ain't working. It's not what working. And, and it's so a really good point, actually, because Mike, um, uh, Mike McCarthy, who lost his son to suicide, Ross, who's previously on the show, his son is, was depressive. He was, on, he was on antidepressants for 10 years. And it's like, if someone is on antidepressants and is su still suicidal what you're doing as a medical intervention by the way is not working you need to yeah. do something different to help this person they need and, help you need to provide the right support and look and the truth is some people need that i will never argue that i will never say mm -hmm. don't explore that i explored it too i felt numb i felt disgusting i felt unlike myself at even a deeper level and, and I think the thing that you have to understand, and again, I'm not being anti, like, do you mm -hmm. figure your shit out? But what I am saying is like, you have to understand that you have to be the arbiter of success in your life. And if you're seeing a therapist, if you're on a medication, if you're on a protocol, if you're with a coach, if you're in a relationship, a career, an idea that does not serve you, hit the eject button. Like it's fine. Like it doesn't matter if you quit doing a thing that doesn't serve you go to the next thing. And we're so tied up in like, Oh, I feel like this is the thing that I have to do because everybody does it. But that's not true. It's not yeah. true at all. And like, and, and I recognize my approach is way different and way more intense than a lot of people. And I know I'm not for everybody and that's okay. I don't expect to be, nor do I want to be. But you have to recognize like the more time you spend in the past is the less time you're going to spend in the now. You know, I go to mm. restaurants and it's funny because my friends laugh at me because they don't necessarily get it. But, you know, you put your name on the list and then you put the time <laughs> next to it. When I put my name on the list, I put the time as now because the time <laughs> is now. The time's it not is yesterday. Now. The time's not 10 years ago. The time's not eight minutes from today. The time is right now. 
And so every decision and every choice that you're making literally in this moment is dictating and setting the path for the future. And so if you're letting other people who honestly, and doctors, while they do have their, your best interest in mind, like we live in a prescription for society, you need yeah. to be asking the question of, is this the thing that I need? Now, look, I watched my mother die from prescription drugs. Yeah. My community die from prescription drugs. I've seen it again and again and again and again. So am I a little biased against them? Fuck yes, I am. Because Oxycontin destroyed my life, destroyed my family, destroyed my community in the 90s. And when my mother died, she died legless in a hospital overdeeing on drugs. And so I'm going to admit, I am biased against them. Now, I have tried different medications, anxiety, depression medications over the years just to see, right? And, and the thing that I've discovered is the greatest form of antidepressant known to man is getting your ass off your couch and going and being of service to your community. Go and be somebody who matters in your community. I don't give a fuck how depressed you are. Get up because get that's up what and do takes. move. But that's what it takes. And I know that's hard language for people. I have been there and I'm not saying I'm like the proxy of know everything. Cause I'm not, I'm just saying like, I've seen it in the people I coach in my own life, in the people of the unbroken nation who consume this information we put out every single day. It's like at that moment, when you are at your lowest is the moment in which you have to get out of your house. Like, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was 26, when I was at my rock bottom. I wish somebody would have smacked me in the face and be like, dude, go work at the fucking food bank. Get go up and get moving. Go do something. Go do something, right? And, and I think that, and I'm not trying to be preacher, I promise. It's just, I yeah. look at the world we live in and people are so quick to grab the easy fix, but that yeah. easy fix is actually not a solution. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a, on a grenade wound like it's not gonna stop the bleeding mm. it's just not yeah. like you have totally. to heal it. you have to suture it you have to nurture it you have to yeah. love and care for yourself and for other people by challenging yourself to do incredibly yeah. difficult things yeah. and along the lines yes maybe it is prescription medication or therapy or coaching or doing all of the different things but but ultimately all of this starts with your willingness to make a decision to get outside of the comfort. One of the craziest things that I believe is ever said, and I've said this too, that is ever said by people who have survived trauma is they go, I thrive in chaos. I go, that is so fucking nonsensical because we should not be equipped to thrive in chaos, but we are because of the past. Wouldn't you mm. much rather thrive in peace? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, you know, I think it's really important, you know, the point that you raise about people needing to take charge, take control and decide what's right for them. Because ultimately, the prescription drugs that people give out, you know, medical professionals, is there to deal with the symptom that you're you're expressing. So you can say, oh, I've got chest pain. And the doctor could say, well, take take two Tylenol. Uh, and come back and see me in six months and let me know how you're feeling. You were like, no, I think I'm having a heart attack, you know. So you need to understand what lies at the root cause. And often that's that's not done. Um, and so people don't get to the root cause of the problem and they end up taking a solution. Self-medication for me was chocolate cake or alcohol. They look for a quick fix solution to to take away the pain 
but they never deal with the root cause of the pain. And you have to take the time to go and do the deep work to deal with the root cause, unravel it all, understand where it came from. You know, as often with child, most times with childhood trauma, you you are expressing the um, your you get triggered by the experience, but you're experiencing as an adult, but in a child's mind because you don't know how else to respond to it until somebody teaches you uh, how to respond differently and recognize, okay, you are you're behaving in, in a childlike state because that's how you've learned to deal with it because you were a child when you experienced it. Now let's take a step back. Let's, let's break the chains that, that are from your past and learn how you can deal with the now because the now isn't the past like you said i'm in the now break those chains and learn and take the learnings from your past and use them to to power yourself forward yeah and that's so spot on too and i you know i'll give you a great example of that growing up communication for me was yelling screaming hitting breaking violence right all of that that was everything i knew i thought love was about pain um, companionship was about suffering. Communication was about yelling. And it wasn't until I started like literally reading relationship books and dating books and trauma books and going through this whole process where I was like, oh shit, wait a second. That's, that's actually really toxic. You maybe shouldn't yeah. yell at Maybe you shouldn't hit people. Maybe you shouldn't fight people. Maybe you shouldn't break things when you're angry. Hmm. Maybe you need to learn tools, coping mechanisms that are healthy, ideas and mindset shifts that are actually productive and proactive. And like now, like one of my number one rules is like, you are not allowed to yell at me. I will never yell at you. And that's hard and fast across the board, no matter what. Mm. And, and I think that only comes from the willingness to go and do the work to go and show up and learn and understand. And I mean, I have a million of those examples in my own personal life, you know, cigarettes and booze and sex and drugs and all the thing. I was going to say rock and roll and all the things. <laughs> like, it's, it's all about like you're, you're, you're laid and groomed and enmeshed into these ideas of what it means. And, you know, you think about this, if childhood trauma is the theft of identity and the brain's purpose is survival and you learn how to bend and placate who you are for safety, the brain ultimately yeah. goes, hey, you know what? Being you is very dangerous. I don't recommend this. Let's not be you. Yeah. You know, the fastest way for me to get my head slammed into a wall as a kid was to ask for something I needed. And so you yeah. learn to turn that off. And the worst part about that is like that serves you for a period of time because it, it keeps you safe when you're 8, 12, 17 years old. Mm. And then you're 36, 52, 70, and you don't know how to say yes and you don't know how to say no. Well, look at the causation and correlation there, right? You have this experience in childhood in a developmental state in which the brain, because the autonomic response to survival is based on the stimulus that you're involved in, says yeah. no do this now you're flooded with cortisol you're in constant fight or flight your amygdala is all over the place your hippocampus is totally out of out of line <laughs> out of action as well <laughs> and you're kind of like wait a second hold on i I'm, I'm in a toxic relationship again i'm on my fourth divorce my kids hate me i'm get drunk every night my my job can't stand me i'm i'm angry all the time i don't know how to voice my wants needs or interests there must be a reason. 
Yeah. And the reason is because all the experience of our past add up and they shape who we are. And you cannot yeah. escape that. You can, there's no amount of money, no amount of plane travels, no matter how many times you move, like you are carrying those experiences. And so until you step into doing the work, you're going to rinse and repeat the same thing again yeah. and again and again. And then mm. when you discover the truth, going back to where we started this about control, when you make decisions that are cognizant, then you create massive change in your life. I mm. think about like this all the time. It's like owning this house, right? You have this house, big, beautiful yard. And every single day you walk outside that house, up your sidewalk and in through the yard, there's trash everywhere. Well, you didn't put the trash there. It's not your trash to begin with, but it is your house. So what are you going to do about it? Your responsibility. <laughs> it's your abil ability to respond. You know, we all have this choice in terms of how we want to respond to an experience. And when we're a kid, we, we are limited in our choices based on the circumstances. But a, as an adult, we can choose how we want to respond um providing it's not life-threatening of course in which case we we tend our amygdala tends to go on overdrive and like you say we're going to fight flight freeze response but ultimately like you say the control is that pause and that making sure we give ourselves permission to turn the human part of our brain or not the reptilian part of our brain the human part of our brain which is our prefrontal cortex when we can say to ourselves huh, I can choose my path forward in life now. I've, I've permission to choose. This is within my power to choose. And by giving yourself that pause and, and, and that break and doing it in a place of safety where you can, you can connect with your emotions. And I think that's what's quite difficult when you're a child, isn't it? Is you, you turn your emotions off. And so connecting with them as an adult is super super hard because you haven't been given the permission to connect with them you, you haven't been allowed to connect with them and so it sometimes it's like learning it as a baby so if you're not you're you're an adult it's overwhelming like it is for a child a baby because they've never learned how to manage them because they've never had that permission to do that and I think it's really important and that's where the really hard work is is taking that time to okay go I'm experiencing this emotion and this emotion is driving this behavior and I have a choice as to how what behavior I'm going to let that emotion create because an emotion is a signal for us to do something and we have the choice as to what we want to do with that emotion and we i think of it as like a wave we can choose to ride it and learn how to ride it and it takes a lot a lot of lessons <laughs> to learn how to ride a wave and when the emotions are huge as they often are related to to traumatic experiences we have to be really good at riding the wave in order to ride it effectively but what we don't want to be doing is having these emotions and going bongo sliding on them all the time and constantly getting trashed by them. And, and our emotions are trashing our behavior and trashing our life. And our life, we end up being the ones that put the trash out on, on the front lawn 
because we because we haven't got our 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 shit together as it were yeah and i i think the unfortunate part of what you just said is it's going to be insane for a little bit because yeah. you're you're learning this for the first time and you know i i realized at one point i had not cried in 15 years it had been literally beaten out of me because I grew up in a house that the nomenclature was, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. If you cry, I'll hit you harder. If you cry, I'll make sure you don't cry again. And I was like, you know, growing up. So you learned to turn off. I turned off emotionally. Yeah. I cannot even explain it. It was robotic. And, and I, at one point I thought I was a sociopath because I was like, I feel nothing not understanding like the depth of how that had been shut down, right? How that family system that I lived in had predicated this idea that emotions were dangerous. Cause again, there's that causation and correlation. So my brain said, dude, you're not allowed to cry. I wouldn't happy cry, sad cry, nothing, whatever. Right. Nothing. And, and I, I, I remembered, like, I find out my best friend gets murdered. Nothing. My grandma dies. Nothing. My mom dies. Mm. Nothing. I got fired from like a job. Nothing. Like a girl I loved broke up with me. Nothing. Right. Mm. And then it was like, but wait a second. Well, why am I getting stoned? Why am I drinking myself to sleep? Why am I indulging in all of this poisonous food? Well, there's gotta be something there. And, and as I got deeper into the work, like I discovered like, holy shit, like crying is the most scary thing that I could experience. Emotions, happiness, sadness, love, joy, pain. Like it was just all numb. And so as I got mm. deeper into it and journaling became the mechanism for me for exploring this because I would sit down. I'll, I'll never forget about seven years ago. I'm, I come back from my therapist's office. I'd cried watching, like I would force it. Sometimes I'd watch Goodwill hunting and I'd mm. like start bawling, like watching that. And I immediately stopped like, no, that's enough. And then we were talking about it. And I, I go home, I have this red journal. I actually still have one to this day. It's on my desk. It's called my angry journal. This red guy. <laughs> and, I get off, and I'm mad at the world. I go to that thing and I'll write for hours. And, and one night after therapy, I, I'm sitting here just sobbing, writing for hours. My hand was cramped. I couldn't think. I'm punching the yeah. pillow like I'm mad. And I was like, oh, wait a second. This is emotion. This is what it is. This is that thing. And, and to let it exist is the very thing that makes you human. And, and yeah. I would like don't run from that i know it's uncomfortable there's nothing more uncomfortable on planet earth than feeling emotion when you've been deprived or stripped of them for the entirety of your experience yeah. but the greatest sense of being who you are comes from the truth of being able to feel those things and yeah. that's that's what I hope for people as they go through this journey, whether it's, you know, coaching or therapy or just listening to these shows, it's like, you're allowed to be human, but you need to understand the mechanisms that have been put in your life that have kept you from being able to be so. And that's mm -hmm. the whole fucking journey is like mm -hmm. the willingness to, to figure it out every single day mm -hmm. so that when you do get triggered, because I promise you, you will, when you do <laughs> upset whatever that thing is you can navigate it you can experience it you can be in it don't run from it it hurts yeah. supposed to hurt it feels good yeah. it's supposed to feel good like let these things exist in your life yeah 
you're not willing to step into it, you will never discover it. And yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's unknown. Yes, it's uncertainty. But it's the number one way that you're going to figure out who you are. Mm. That's so, such an important point. And you know, Gabor Mata, who you've worked with, talks about emotional trauma. And when we bury it, and we don't learn how to express it in a constructive rather than destructive way, then we end up storing it within our body and it, it can be expressed later on in life because your body starts to say no i'm not happy with it and it gets expressed in other ways including chronic disease and stuff i'd love to transition to the fun facts now because it's been giving me a brilliant uh, point to focus on and the facts in it is the five pillars of brain health remember by the mnemonic facts and the first one is feelings because our feelings drive everything a is for actions, C is for connection to ourselves and others, T is for thoughts, and S is for surroundings. So I'm just going to dive in uh, to a couple of those. So first for you, let's dive into connection because we've really talked about connecting with ourselves as part of this uh, show. What's the most important value that guides you in life? And I, I, I've looked at your values here. So what's the one value? If you, if you want to share your, your values that you have, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I, I I understand why you're asking the question, but what I will say is my values are a system. They do not operate independently. And so all the decisions that I make filter through that system. And so it's honesty, kindness, self-actualization, leadership, and no excuses. And yeah, so I when, when I think about the values, it's easy to pick one. I understand why you're asking me that, but mm -hmm. like realistically, like I'll give you a great example. So you reach out, you say, Hey, do you want to come on my show? I'm going to go look at your show. The team's going to look at it. They're going to send it to me. I'm going to listen to an episode. I'm going to explore what you got going on. And if you don't check every one of those boxes that are in alignment with me, I'm out. And I apply that yeah. to everything in my life. Yeah. Do you know, I see values as like your moral compass in life. 100%. It's your guide. So so if you if you know if something's off uh, internally, it's like your internal defense mechanism almost that you kind of get born with and you develop through your life is if my if I'm not living into my core values, something's not right. It's that yes. instinct that, you know, is it, it, it's the stuff that you can't verbally communicate or put or put words to but you know from all of the information on your surroundings from all of the feelings that you're experiencing that you're that there's some misalignment in your values so for me my mine are care and kindness inspiration leadership integrity and humor which are fairly fairly similar to to yours and i think integrity is probably aligned to your self actualization where you have to live into who you are um, and, li and live on your terms, like you say, from a self-actualization perspective and, and be give yourself permission to, to be you. Out of all of, I know you said it's a system, but is there is there anything that you find that if I, if this is, if this is missing from somebody or something, it's like an immediate no? Is there anything yeah. that jumps out from you? Totally. Well, you know, going back to your point, it is kind of like the spidey sense. One, one of the, the, I hate to say it, but one of the benefits of a really terrible childhood is I am a great judge of character. 
I read people better than anyone I've ever met in my life. Within 10 seconds of meeting someone, I can peg whether or not you're up to no good. And, and the truth is I had to be able to do that because of the environment that I grew up with. And so when I think about these moments in which I meet someone, I go, something is off. Like I trust yeah. it tremendously because I've never been wrong. I swear to God, I've never been wrong. And so honesty is that number one, like that, that's the North star on it. Because if I'm sitting here, I'm looking at your eyes, I'm reading your body language. I'm listening to the tonality of your voice. I'm looking how you're moving your hands. When you speak, where are your eyes, where are your, where is your chest? Where's all the things that you present, you know, in that moment, I I've learned so incredibly well over the years, how I can sit there and have a conversation with you and know who you are immediately. And so if you're not honest, I'm going to pick up on it because just to be frank, like I'm the king of liars because my mother <laughs> taught me. No, I'm dead serious. My mother. No, I know me. you are. I know you are. She, she taught me how to navigate everyone and bend everything and get what I want in all situations because I watched yeah. her do it. I watched yeah. her do it again and again. And I watched my stepdad do it when the police would show up. I watched my grandma do it. Like when, you know, all, so all the time, like I watched this very coercive, like community of people show me what it is to lie, to show me what it is to, you know, make people bend who they are to get what you want from them. And so between that and then just- And you had to lie though, but importantly for your survival, yeah. really you had to lie as a kid because- if you told your teachers, often kids who have adverse childhood experiences, if they tell their teachers what's happening and the teachers intervene, their life goes into a whole heap of pain. That was I, I learned the I learned the very first time I told my teacher the truth to never tell my teacher the truth. Mm. I promise you that. Yeah, yeah, which makes it so so doubly hard for people who are in this, you know, who who have been a child have experienced childhood trauma because because there literally is no escape uh, based on the way the system works to protect the children from what from their family which is often the root you know that lies at the root cause of the traumatic experiences i'd love to dive into one of the other pillars which is thoughts and i know you talk about thoughts a lot we you know we have up to i think there's 90,000 thoughts uh, in our brain in any one day and most of them we don't need to listen to and many of them are, are negative what stupid or crazy thought have you often told yourself in the past that isn't true yeah I don't do that anymore um I, I literally <laughs> learned how to retrain my brain like oh great <laughs> like, like I like the negativity the limiting beliefs those things yeah. are gone even right. the, the notion so there's no an infestation in your well, mind that you've example, killed I'll, all the automatic negative I'll, thoughts. I'll give you an idea. Well, let's go through <laughs> this for real because I want to I want to show people something that has been practical for me. So what let's say for instance uh, a thought pops up where I'm like you're not capable. Whatever that yeah. thing is, the second yeah. it pops up aloud five times ago, I am capable of that. 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 Because immediately I want to retrain any potential that that could seep into my life and hold me back. And so yeah. when those thoughts come up, because they do, I disallow them. Because yeah, the straight away. Oh, immediately. And yeah. people like, I'll be at dinner and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I had this crazy thought, man. It's like, I cannot. I will refuse <laughs> that. This, again, this comes to control. 
We yeah. are cognizant of those things. We, we leverage and anchor ourselves to the negative thoughts way more than we do the positive yeah. thoughts. And but often I'm, without even knowing that they're there, you know, you're the fact that you've learned to train your well, brain and to take control and say, okay, this is ha this thought is happening. But most of the time people don't even check in with the thoughts that are running. So pay attention, pay attention. Yeah. Like yeah. The, right now, be present, like put the phone down, go journal, go meditate. And you've heard everybody said that where everybody says it because it works. So yeah. you know, go for, I dare you go for a walk without your phone. Watch what happens. <laughs> I journal every day. I use the five pillars every day in journaling. So I first connect with my emotions because they massively surprise me when you truly connect with how you're actually feeling rather than how you think you're feeling. Uh, when you go deep and go, okay, how you come up with all, you can have, you know, alter, you know, positive emotions and negative emotions in the same breath because they'll be related to different things. Looking yeah. at my accomplishments connecting with myself who am I grateful for today you know who can I be grateful for today in terms of connecting with others what thoughts are going on in my head get them down challenge them like you say <laughs> get them down on paper so you can step back from yourself and go okay this is total rubbish this yeah, isn't and look, true and, and, and I'm not even an optimist people look at me and be like I'm an I'm not an optimist I am a realist like a hundred percent through and through but the thing that I look at in life, I go, has it been done by someone else? Great. That means it's possible. Yeah. And so there's no reason why I can't do it. Yeah. And the second that a thought comes up that says no, I'll get, even when I wrote the first book, I'm about to release my third book now. And, and I had straight F's in high school. I got kicked out. I don't have a degree. I'm, you know, whatever. And what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. I don't have, I don't have experience running businesses that were legal until I did. And you know what I mean? It's like, what do you want? I didn't have experience speaking until I spoke and like, go figure it out. Do not limit yeah. yourself. Don't, yeah. don't sit here and let that thought dictate your future because that thought is there as a survival mechanism to keep you safe, period. It just is whether you like it or not. You know, people be like, I'm not capable of having a relationship. Yes, you are. You kidding me right now? Stop saying it because what you say is going to become true. So yeah. think about the words that you're using. I don't use any negative language with myself. I don't belittle myself. I don't talk down to myself. I don't hold myself hostage. I don't do anything except go forward with okay. the willingness to understand in that process that I'm going to fail. I'm going to make huge mistakes and I'm going to iterate and I'm going to learn. And in that I'm going to fail and make mistakes and iterate and learn again. And it's a cycle. You just keep doing it. It's, it's literal, like it's education in real time about who you are, but you got to be willing to not let that thought stop you from seeing what's on the other side of the action that you need to take to discover it. Mm -hmm. And you know, key there is like fa people think failure is like a dirty word. But failure is not the opposite of success. It's just the path to success. You know, it's just a, it's just a, it's just part of the journey. And and we we all we all fail. We fail from the point that we we're we're born. You know, and take our first steps. If we gave up on ourselves to to walk, none of us would be walking, because we haven't had it conditioned in ourselves that you're not enough, uh, and or you're less than. 
uh, and therefore you're never going to walk. We we don't have that. So we have the opportunity. We know it works from, from before we get uh, affected by you know external circumstances that we have the power to do extraordinary things. And we just need to take the time to tap into that superpower and, and not and not do the self-sabotage and stop us unleashing our full potential. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have this, you know, self-sabotage means that you have awareness about what you're doing, you know, and I don't <laughs> think people pay attention to that. You know, I think the first time you, you kind of make mistakes, you're learning, right? But at some point, if you're like, I self-sabotage all the time, like I'll, I'll teach my clients this, it, like, I, I, like clockwork in our coaching, I know when it's going to happen. And they're like, oh yeah, I self-sabotage. I go, well, you made a decision. How many more times are you going to make that decision? Because if you're willing to destroy your life, there's no reason you should be in this room with me right now. Cause I can't help you. I'm not, I'm not rescuing your ass. I'm not here to save you. They've got to rescue themselves. hundred percent. And so if you're like, if you're comfortable self-sabotaging, guess what? You don't get to complain, like shut up mm -hmm. because you are making a decision. And that's look, that's a hard truth. People don't want to hear it. People don't want to acknowledge the truth of the reality of their decisions. If your life sucks, look at what you're doing. Nobody's coming to rescue you. There is no Disney moment. Whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're praying for, that's going to magically change everything for you is only going to come in the actions that you take. Period. Absolutely. So if you're yeah. sitting here, like, I self-sabotage all the time. Well, you need to figure out where that comes from, your causation, yeah. your correlation, because the moment, here's what I always teach people. The moment you say, I self-sabotage, you have made a decision to not live life to your fullest. Yeah. You've given yourself permission to be less than what you're capable of. 100%. Yeah. So important. Michael, I've just loved having this conversation with you, but before... We tell us uh, about how we can get hold of you. What one piece of advice would you give to anyone who's who's in that place where they've had these really bad, adverse childhood experiences? Their their behaviour, you know, they've done the mirror test. They're in the mirror moment at the moment. What what one piece of advice would you give to somebody who's gone, Christ, this? What am I doing with my life? Yeah, that's where you start. You know, it, 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 it takes as much energy to destroy your life as it does to build your life. Yeah. So stop making excuses because nobody cares. I hate to break it to you. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I promise you I'm not. <laughs> nobody cares. Go and do the thing you know you need to do and watch your life be different. Yeah. And you need to do the work. I think that's, that's such an important point that you raise is, you know, nobody can do the work for you. They can guide you, but you've got to do, you've got to do the work to, to get to the top of that mountain, to get to wherever you want to go in life. It's you, you, you that own it. Yeah. How can people get hold of you? I'd, uh, I'd love to talk to you for ages. <laughs> God. How can they get hold of you? Um, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken, um, but you can listen to the Think Unbroken podcast. It's on all the things. Go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Literally everything I teach is there for free. Yeah. And it, honestly, I absolutely honestly can't wait for your next book to come out because I just love how <laughs> direct you are. You don't beat about the bush. You just tell it how it is. And I think that's so refreshing. 
in today's society where we, we feel we need to tiptoe around things like we're stepping on eggshells and really sometimes you just have to be a bit of a bull in the china shop and just and just go for it mike i'd love to help you in any way i can if there's anything i can do for you or your community and your uh, and those people that you serve please just you know i'd love to stay in touch and and help you in whatever way i can do thank you so much for coming on the show it's, i've just absolutely loved it thank you for being so honest and open thank you my friend i appreciate you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community, by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.